Tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. Want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches read Wayward Son by Rainbow Rowell and talk about it. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I'm Jesse Blount, and today we are talking about chapters 7, 8, and 9 of Wayward Son. In chapter 7, we have Penny's POV, in which she's been dating her not-in-fact-imaginary boyfriend for years, but she's not seen him in the past couple you know, with the whole dramatic conclusion of her school year and her best friend's depression spiral. But uh, Micah is shockingly cool with it. Well, there should be finger quotations in there somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Chapter 8. Agatha's on her way to this cult event in a gated, minimalist mansion in a gated community, which is fucked up enough that she should have just called a lift right then and there. There's a lot of talk about living forever, which Agatha points out is a thing that not even mages can do, and it's frankly triggering because it is some shit the fucking mage would say. So she goes hide in the library instead. She lights up a cigarette with some wandless magic, and some dude arrives a moment later to talk to her. Turns out that he's Brayden, of course, the founder of this cult, and Agatha is not buying his new age tech bro bullshit at all. Chapter 9. Baz is awake on this long-ass plane ride, but is glad of an excuse to be close to Simon and to meditate on how he finds Simon's depression appearance still very lovely. Simon is worried about immigration, as he should be because American immigration fucking sucks, but Penny's magic is top-notch, so now him and the gang are in America. Penny's quote-unquote rented them a a cool-ass classic car, and Simon is just so excited to, to pretend to drive it. It's too much. Then Baz drives it for real, and it's even better for Simon because, of course, Baz looks phenomenal driving this car. Uh, before we get into it, I'm going to do a shameless self-promotion that you're all going to have to deal with, by which I mean I hope that you're really excited about it because I, as I've been mentioning or have mentioned a couple times, I'm kickstarting a tarot deck that I designed. I'm really stoked about it. The Kickstarter is going to go live on February so if you can like mark your calendars put an alarm in your phone uh the more it gets interacted with on the first day that it's up the more kickstarter will show it to people so even if you don't care about tarot or aren't on the market for a tarot deck or don't have the funds to kickstart it if you can just go like click on it on that day that would be super because i really want it to happen yeah you could definitely you could tell your friends about it uh 2022 is a good year to get into tarot because why the fuck not also if you have a uh if you're like me and like to kickstart random projects you could always click on save for later so you get a notification before it's concluded and you're still clicking on the thing on the first day and also anyone who is interested in a tarot deck that is not heavily gendered Lark's deck is a deck for you. Uh, the art is fantastic, and you get to not be like, ugh, the empress. <laughs> <laughs> there is, in fact, no empress in this deck. 
Um, I also worked really hard to make it a deck that is beginner friendly. So if you're someone who wants to get into tarot and is like, I don't want to use the Rider White deck to get into tarot, which is what everyone will tell you you have to use. This deck is one that I like really put a lot of effort into making sure that people who are just learning how to use tarot for the first time can communicate with the art is very intentionally made to be like this is what this card is about i even beta tested it with people who have never seen a tarot card before to make sure that it was giving the vibe that it should be giving so yes that's that i feel very weird about being like support my thing but do please support my thing uh it's fucking cool you should definitely support it (laughs) thanks jesse all right and with that we're going to enter Easy come, easy go, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Uh, I will go first. Yes, please. So Josh, Ginger's boyfriend, who's in this fucking cult, is driving them to this incredibly secure second location. Uh, Never go to second location, everyone. And I, and it's not said that this is what he's driving, but he's definitely driving a fucking Tesla because of course he is. This is so great. Um, I texted Evan, like, by no intention of his own, just because he has, like, a weird photographic memory, and, like, he just, like, memorizes cars without any intention to do so. So I texted him, and I was like, it is fully electric with very little backseat and is a sports car, what is it? And he immediately was, like, a Tesla whatever. But they were only made from 2008 to 2012, and this is based, I think, in 2017, and I was like, would this character have a car that old? And he was like, absolutely not. So then we both went on like an internet search to try and find an electric sports car that was out in 2017 that isn't a two-seater and had a very hard time. I couldn't find what I thought the car would be. I mean, that is fair. Um, I guess I just still assume this is a Tesla. I mean, he Tesla is the right brand. You're 100% correct. I just don't think they were making a sports car in 2017. Uh, this is really, really the end, towards the end of my knowledge about them, really, is that I know they're quiet and they're electric and they are very poorly constructed. If they catch on fire, which is very often, they will burn forever. So That's very interesting. I didn't know that. Oh, well, not forever. There's a bunch of, again, from the Reddit, Tesla subreddit, uh, people complaining about how their Tesla's caught on fire and burned for like eight hours because the battery is like at the bottom of the car, which is a terrible place to put a battery because if something scrapes it or like something happens. Interesting. It is my turn. Okay. Agatha's assessment of like rich person aesthetic, someone making a real show of how much space they have to fill with nothing it's like the most perfect description of minimalism I've ever heard in my entire life. It's very, it's very chef's kiss. It's like, it's so perfect. And I don't know. It's, yeah, exactly. Because like, you could just imagine this, like the cavernous spaces in this like overly large house that has like nothing in it. So echoey. Yeah, I'm about to say it's cavernous because there's nothing. It's like wood floors and bare walls. And it's so echoed because there's nothing to muffle any kind of sound and you know it's like open concept in a lot of places probably oh totally yeah 
I know it's too bad. I really, I used to be like really into a, the like minimalist aesthetic until I realized that it's like basically for rich people because it's like there's stuff you need in your life and your house that aren't aesthetically pleasing that you just need to have. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm too back to this book. I I just want to ask you a question about uh, Agatha mentions that her parents have a relic in their bathroom that is supposed to prevent basilisks from coming through the pipes. Do you think this is a, a nod at Chamber of Secrets? Now I do. Or like not a nod, but just a like, <laughs> LOL. Because I'm just like, y'all live in, I'm, I'm sure like whatever the fancy area, like rich people area of the UK they live in. And are you really afraid about basilisks coming up to your toilet? <laughs> like why is this in your bath? Is this a common thing? I know, I've I noted that down too. It's either I mean, regardless of whatever their in in world reason is, yes, I now think that it is definitely a nod to Chamber of Secrets, and I love that you noticed that. Okay. In world, either it's just like an old superstition that's like no one thinks a basilisk is gonna come up the pipes, but like if you didn't put the relic in the bathroom and then a basilisk came up your pipe you'd be like for god's sake like why didn't i put the thing in the bathroom and so it's just like generation after generation you know yeah i'd be the one that was like throw the throw the fucking relic away (laughs) i don't want this ugly ass relic in my bathroom i gotta stare at sorry now i'm just imagining like little like i don't know like ball python size basilisk that like they're not very big yeah it just like hurts or like you're not like death you're just like oh this can't see for two hours is a fucking tiny ass basilisk anyway i'm sorry that i wonder how big basilisks are in general in mythology so i was just thinking about the ones in the heroes of olympus or whatever like the second five percy jackson books there are basilisks and they're like small they're like three feet or whatever and now and i think those those are the only two basilisks i've ever read about that's actually a really good question. I'm not going to look it up right now. Okay. I guess I'm just imagining really cute, like, they're the size of, like, garter snakes. Yeah. Garter snakes that will kill you if you look them in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a great moment. I don't know. It is, yeah, great world building. And we got so many of these things I have after this are just, are just Agatha related. It's a really good Agatha chapter. Yes, Agatha related. So... Her response upon learning Brayden's name, where she literally out loud says, of course it is. I love her. I love her. I love her so much. I want to marry her. Like, (laughs) oh my God, I am in love with Agatha. Yeah, this is just like, I don't know. It's just, it just feels like peak queen of high school, like banter that I'm just like, I just love everything about. <laughs> it feels more mature than high school to me, but I mean, it feels like this is how you flirt with strangers. This is how straight how you interact when a stranger is flirting with you, and you don't want to be rude, but also you are like not interested. I guess I've had this kind of conversation many times in bars, and I'm like. You are like not getting that I am being genuinely mean to you, but you're making it very easy for me to continue being genuinely mean to you. And that's fun for me. So like <laughs> we can continue doing this for a while, I guess. <laughs> like, why the fuck not? I guess part of it is I just kept keep thinking about like Cordelia and like this is sort of the like kind of the vibe that is happening and it just makes me really happy. I'm like, 
Yeah, it's beautiful. So, um, so Alumna's vein, uh, Agatha says, there are so many things that will never kill me because I wouldn't be caught dead doing them, which is a whole ass mood. I love yeah. everything about this. <laughs> um, side note to everyone, say mountain climbing is hella dangerous. Uh, if you want to have a morbid example of what I'm talking about, you should read about all of the dead bodies that are on Mount Everest that people now use as landmarks when they're climbing up Mount Everest because it's too dangerous to remove the bodies off of the slope. So now it's just like, oh yeah, I got up to where Green Boots is. And it's like, that is a whole ass dead body. Are you guys fucking kidding me? Shit is dangerous. Just what? No. Yes. So many things. It's like, you're not going to see me in a fucking terrible hang gliding accident. I'm not, that's not a thing I'm going to do. Yep. I feel you. Just what a queen. Just what a queen (laughs) Agatha is. In this, I mean, in general, but just in this chapter, she's like, yes. Yeah, she's incredible. My last thing in this section is, LOL, I drive a Ford Fiesta. (laughs) 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 Uh, um, If you didn't reread the chapter, everyone, this is the part where Penny says, "We, we couldn't drive across America in a Ford Fiesta. Which I also wanted to say is the attitude of everyone who's ever rented me a car. Because I always am, like, subcompact. And they're like, I upgraded you to, like, whatever. Like, a regular fucking car. Like, literally people in rental agencies always act like driving a subcompact is, like, the worst thing that could happen to a person. And, like, the last time I rented a car, I was like, oh, no, I, I drive a Ford Fiesta. And the person at the counter was like, oh... Well then, I guess you'll be okay. This is this is why everyone in this fucking country drives an oversized <sighs> ass car they don't need. It's like I know. I'm like I'm on vacation. I want to spend money on food, not on gas. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah, it's like I would not to. I would love to not spend a hundred dollars filling up my goddamn car. Are you kidding? Like... Right. Oh, I did actually have another thing about this though question for you so i can't remember the context now but there is another mention of a ford fiesta in any way the wind blows i want to know if you think that this is like rainbow rowell drives a ford fiesta or if this is a like sponsorship thing oh this is this is not a sponsorship thing because they're gonna talk i mean i don't remember i feel like whatever the reference was in any way the wind blows was not very flattering either probably I feel like out of all of the the big three car companies, Ford does not have necessarily the best record (laughs) about the quality (laughs) of their cars. So, no, I assume that maybe, maybe Morello does have a Ford Fiesta and likes making fun of it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think that makes more sense. I just keep thinking about like the, again, mentioning the Percy Jackson books. They're very, towards the end, they're very clearly sponsored by toyota like there's a very blatant like toyota prius mention in every single book after a certain point that's a very funny i know it's i mean whatever you can product place a prius in your fucking child's fantasy books if you want to i guess authors don't make enough so good for them i would yeah for sure (laughs) 
I would not be above product placement in a, in a, if I was a like published author. Be like, yeah, fuck it. Who cares? I mean, depending on the product, of course. But obviously, all of my characters use Dr. Bronner's soap. No, I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm done with my Fiesta rant. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, I just have a couple of things. One is another shout out to the writing here where Agatha makes fun of Brayden for saying we are the difference makers, which sounds like I like almost physically gag because it's just so much <laughs> like a ridiculous thing that some startup or venture capitalist tech bullshit would say about the cult that they're in Mm -hmm. just like right on the money with that i know and the fact that she says that sounds like a made-up word and then as an aside to us says brayden is a made-up name (laughs) (laughs) see i'm not see i'm not gonna lie i would probably think of something very similar if i met a brayden yeah i mean i guess depending if it's like someone is just like i'm an adult and i chose brayden i'm like lol no i as soon as you said it depends i was like yes i clearly not all of the (laughs) trans men with aiden's with various (laughs) letters at the beginning of it you're off the hook it's fine yeah all right um my last thing is that i just kind of love bad at the very end of this chapter chapter nine turning into the mom friend and yelling at penny to put her seat Yeah, it's sweet. It's very nice. I see a little silhouette of a man. Welcome to I See a Little Silhouette of a Man, where we talk about character development. I only have Agatha here. Mostly my thing about Agatha here is like, I love her. I love her. She's so great. We're seeing a side of her that we've never gotten to see before. Like, Agatha interacts with people she doesn't know and doesn't respect or care about what they think about her. It is, like, I want to be her best friend. (laughs) I think that if Agatha had grown up in different circumstances, she, like, the vibe that I get here is, like, she would have been the, like, weirdo goth kid. Her attitude is just very very daria she's wonderful yeah i was for some reason i was i was like just thinking i'm like wow she would have definitely like watched daria and be like yes exactly yeah someone should mail her some doc martens i feel like and she'd be like oh this is it like (laughs) i found it this is who i've been trying to be and they have zippers so she still doesn't have to learn how to tie her shoes she's fine you know it sounds like that would be very very practical for her future goat herding slash animal work that she's doing very true very very outdoor queer yeah doc martens and like floral print dresses this is agatha's future yeah i still want to be her best friend in that future also yeah no this is great uh i love just like i mean obviously her wit in this chapter is so good but also just like that the, her self-awareness like when she tells brayden i just got out of a cult i'm not looking for a rebound cult is just like so good so good i'm just like my queen yes yes yep <laughs> oh my God. and when she just like straight-facedly says 
that the Catholic Church is a cult and just moves on and has like no qualms about spending no time on that and it catches him up so bad. It's oh god, she's just so good. I know. Like she straight up tells that dude that his house is fugly. And I'm like, good. Someone needs to tell him this. Yeah. <laughs> when he's like, Are you impressed? And she's like, God no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's wonderful. I also loved learning that she could do this incredibly rare magical skill and then found out that her mom was stoked about it and was like, fuck it, I'm never practicing. (laughs) That's what made me be like, oh, in any other circumstance, she would have turned into the middle school goth because she's just so contrary. Just this, this episode is a love letter to Agatha from me. Yeah, I also just like, I really, I think we really just got to take a moment to really appreciate that she's using this incredibly rare magical skill to, like, light her cigarette. (laughs) I know. Her keeping a cigarette in her purse for, like, no reason to just, again, just out of being contrary as fuck. I it's, think it's very hot. It's like, oh, no one eats dairy products or smokes cigarettes? Well, fuck y'all. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, jeez. Also, like, honestly, being in a weird, like, a room full of weirdos, like, talking about weird cult shit that is, like, triggering. I'm like, let her have a fucking cigarette. Goddamn. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, that's all my Agatha stuff. You had some Simon stuff? Uh, yeah, I just have kind of, like, one thing, which is just, like, I I really just like Simon's childlike joy of being in the, in the car and just, I don't know. It's sometimes, I think it's sometimes, like, underestimated how much, like, going to a different place when you're just, like, in a depression spiral will be, like, you're, like, oh, I do have the capacity for joy sometimes. And it doesn't, like, just, like, fix anything, but it's just like, oh, whoa, (laughs) feelings again. I mean, I think sometimes it can interrupt the spiral. So, I don't know. I I use going on vacation as, like, a part of my mental health care. If I'm like, oh, I can feel, like, a depressive episode coming on if I can, like, find a cheap flight soon enough and like get completely out of my circumstance I can usually interrupt it and like come back and proceed as without entering into a depression spiral so I don't think in this circumstance this is like Simon's already in it so I don't think it's gonna like totally bring him out of it but I think you're right that you know yeah he's all the things that he's associating with the state that he's in are gone now so he has an opportunity to have some different feelings about it. Yeah. I know. It's like, oh, it's really also could have been a good time to work on some of your, like, I guess we'll get to that at politics about his therapy. And it's like, oh, you could have really worked on some stuff here. (laughs) Uh, Which I guess we can go to now. We can go to now. Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about things that are fucked up. Yeah, so Simon quit therapy. Because it got hard, which, okay, I totally understand that. Because sometimes you're just like, I actually don't want to open that box or like reopen that festering wound that you're trying to like prod at. So fuck off. I agree. I actually think that it's 
at least to some extent his therapist's fault. It sounds like she was he was being pretty clear that he didn't want to go there yet and she was like really pushing and I think when someone is at the level of trauma that Simon is at you should probably let them go at their own rate yeah maybe go for the more immediate stuff that he needs right yeah to deal with or just like work on coping skills or you know get out the dbt book and help Simon learn how to like identify what feelings he's feeling in the moment and not worry about where those feelings came from right now yeah i mean that's another like 15 years of therapy to like work through all that like morass of yeah trauma exactly and looks like it's honestly really too bad because i feel like the sort of emotional ups and downs that simon goes through in the course of this book would have been like it could have been a good opportunity to like at least be naming and recognizing what those feelings are and like what outside or inside factors you know bring them up Mm -hmm. so yeah his therapist definitely could have been better because he could have definitely like been at a point in this in this vacation to sort of like do some healing as opposed to just being on the kind of roller coaster that he goes on yeah totally i think i just want to take a minute to be like i would like everyone to try and destigmatize dbt because i think that dbt can be so helpful for people who have like really complex childhood trauma wait which which one is is... uh dialectical behavioral therapy people just think that it's only for people who have borderline personality disorder for some reason because that's like where it was developed but it's it's helpful for so many people and there's like workbooks and it really is like learning to recognize like emotional versus rational and like where where does the you live between those things and i think a it can be really helpful for just like cis men who are brought up in patriarchal societies in general who are never taught how to feel their feelings or what their feelings are uh but b also for people who are like in deeply traumatic situations or have been through deeply traumatic situations and aren't ready to like go into those yet because they're still too fucked up and just being able to like learn how to name those feelings and like where right is it is this a am i rationalizing is this like rooted in my trauma how do i want to respond being able to zoom out in that level I feel like that would be so much more helpful to Simon than like, let me tell you my life story starting from when I was like given up to a shitty foster system when I was an infant. No, like when you're as depressed as Simon is, you can't heal from your past trauma because your day to day life is like too hard and too painful. You'd have to like get him on the right medication first so that he's at a stable place before you start digging through all that shit. Right, and I think even the more immediate thing is to do with the trauma of, like, murdering the mage and, like, having mm-hmm. all this, like, fucking, and all this, like, bullshit and, like, the shit with the humdrum. Like, let's get that sort of tackled first before we really go into the, like, deeper, older, I don't want to say more painful, but just, like, older hurts are, like, yeah much harder to, like, or they take much longer to go through than just, like, this traumatic thing that happened more recently that you can kind of, like, actively in therapy like work to like heal yep totally well that's all i have about simon <laughs> well actually it's not all i have about simon this uh yeah what do you want to talk about next um so i put this in politics because i anything about weight related stuff 
I want to put in politics. But I actually really appreciate yeah. the paragraph of Baz very lovingly, like, being into Simon's weight gain since mm-hmm. his magic has been gone. And it's just like, it's so rare to be a, like, he looks great. He is, like, more soft and more full. And it's just like, yes, it is lovely when people gain weight. And it's just like, there's so much more of you. And that's, mm-hmm. sometimes, and that's great. I just really appreciate that. I, yeah, I'm super with you. I I also really love that. Um, My only other thing in Face the Truth this week is cult alert. So, I mean, obviously now next is a cult, but the things that we get, they all live together in a gated community. Yeah. Alarms, alarms. <laughs> uh, they're wearing matching pins, which is a step down from like, you know a a matching wardrobe but still definitely a thing and they're like preaching about like sin which is that's not good yeah it's also very weird mm-hmm. like it's not it's not weird in the sense of they're a cult so of course they're gonna be pulling from some religious christian-ish bullshit where it's like sin is the reason why we don't live forever and it's like Preaching is just the limitations of being of being alive? What? Right. Uh which definitely seems like some fucking like original sin bullshit where it's like it's mm-hmm. all Eve's fault for eating that apples. Yeah. Yeah, it's like sin, shame, and environmental factors are the things that they cite. And I was like, one of these three things is in fact the reason we can't live forever. It's neither sin nor shame. <laughs> like <laughs> it's it is uh, the fact that things act on our bodies and at some point our bodies can't do anything about it anymore. Uh, and that's both true and like not something we can do anything about. So Yeah, I do, I do think it's interesting because I think they all go still together really well because I think like, and especially, uh, I don't want to say this, so much of like wellness culture seems to be about putting like, it's like, it's your fault. You should be ashamed for not, quote-unquote eating healthier eating quote-unquote clean or you know quote-unquote indulging in like bad food or whatever it's just like what not like where where are you pulling all this shit from like i did not like what and just sort of like really trying to tap into the like if you were better you would be healthier and i think this is sort of where this cult is like playing upon like already that sort of like wellness diet rhetoric rhetoric to get people in to be like so you already like drink a lot of beet juice and you're like don't eat any dairy products and you're really you know living this lifestyle well let us bring you to the next level right yeah which is like so absurd because it acts like the only things that like the only environmental factors that like trigger like the aging in terms of our epigenome are the like things that we choose to consume as opposed to like literally everything (laughs) like everything in the environment what this what this actually makes me think of is like years and years ago i saw i was reading an article about why basically our human bodies fall apart the older we get and and so like the article was like if humans had evolved to live to be in our 90s as a species like our bodies would be different in a lot of like really specific ways we would like 
in general, just be shorter and like not, I can't remember if it was like not have as long of a spine, but just all of these things where it's like, you know, you, when you people get older, like there's like your eyesight fails and your like hearing goes and like these are the kind of things that happen naturally as people get mm-hmm. older and that if we were really leaning towards a like everyone's living to be in their 90s, human bodies would, would be would be built where not all of our senses would go necessarily one by one. I think also the point of it is that it would take a shit ton of adaptive technology to get a human body to be like 200 to 200. Oh, yeah. You know, so like human bodies just aren't built for that. No. So, I mean, our fucking teeth aren't even built for that, which is some bullshit, I have to say. Call them bullshit on that. Yep. Oh, my God. Yes. It's like the dream in a... Well, I guess in the U.S. specifically, capitalist society is to be able to be rich enough to be able to die with the teeth you were born with. Yeah, oh, well, that's not going to happen for me. Anyway, wow, we got way off topic. Uh, <sighs> let's talk more about, I mean, more about America. <laughs> let's do it. And that Penny mentions in Chapter 7 that there aren't any uh, American magic schools like Watford. Mm-hmm. Which... I am going to speculate is 110% politics. <laughs> okay. Um, just like the politics of how regular school is. You know, Penny says that like the wicked taught by their family. And so, and then Penny and Baz are like, oh, well, they're not getting like elocution and linguistics and whatever. I'm like, no, I bet rich ass kids <laughs> in mage families are getting mm. elocution and linguistics and like, some like small ridiculous after school magical tutoring and then everyone else is relying on whatever their culture of origin magical tradition slash mishmash american magic tradition you know is what i would assume so Mm -hmm. and also just i think like like we talked about with the harry potter series and how scoundrel jki's idea of an american magic school is bullshit um Mm -hmm. there is just just so many different kinds of people who are here in America for a variety of great and not great reasons <laughs> that trying to even have a school like Watford that would be like indigenous indigenous kids and magic and like Caribbean and Latino and like black kids and magic tradition and then whatever like weird formal-ish tradition like things of like how to go about magic. It just is like... Those rich white kids are not going to want to go to the same school as, like, hmm. all of these, like, brown mages. And just, I just, I, it, it doesn't happen for normals in real life. It's not going to happen with these mages. I'm sorry. Yeah. I guess I didn't think about that because she said that most countries don't have magic schools. Yeah. Which made me think that maybe England was just, like, a weird holdout where everyone else had been sort of like, this doesn't really help you in like the real world quote unquote oh i honestly assume that wofford is the result of like pretentious ass families like the pitches wanting to be like we're gonna put this special school that only mm-hmm. some of us can go into and it's just like i mean it just it's just an extra level of unnecessary elitism that seems mm-hmm. like it would come from like one of the biggest colonialist countries in the world so yeah can't say i'm surprised by that 
Um, but I imagine there'd be a variety of reasons that other countries wouldn't have magical schools. And it probably is just that, like, it's probably just like a numbers game, too. Like, even with letting anyone who can do magic into Watford, it's not like the student body seems very huge. Mm-hmm. So, like, who knows? It might be like 30, it might be like a couple of hundred people who are mages in like smallerish countries or whatever. And, it's just, and at that point, it's kind of like, yeah, that makes sense. I think I think it checks out for sure. So yeah, and I mean, there's probably other reasons why you would have like a magical school, but like considering the history that of what we know of Watford, it's definitely just fucking elitism. Oh, totally. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's <laughs> fine. It's fine. I went so I had the thing about the schools in uh, is this just fantasy? But I did want to say, you know. Penny's mom, I think, is like, imagine only learning the spells your parents could teach you. And I was like, with the advent of the internet, Watford is obsolete. Like, there's, everyone can know all of the spells that they want to know now. Like, actually, Watford should probably just close. (laughs) (laughs) uh, You know, they... It makes more sense, I think, for kids to go to normal schools since they're living in normal society. And you aren't just going to be learning what your parents can teach you. You can learn all the spells, you know? You can learn all the elocution. You can, you don't even have to be able to afford a tutor. It's just there. And like, also, like, if you're, if you're like an American mage, you're probably not just going to be by yourself teaching your kids magic you're probably going to connect with other it's kind of i guess i'm kind of imagining like how homeschoolers get together and like do stuff together you know Mm -hmm. there's a whole like there's like a network of people who are like maybe you aren't meeting in a formal school but it's not like you're just only learning what your parents right teach you yeah yeah i mean i feel like right you get like you get like a one facebook group of american mages and it's like look at all the stuff that's open to you now exactly Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. Uh, There's this really weird thing in this chapter where Penny, let's see, Micah can cast in Spanish, and Penny's like, that only works in Spanish-speaking areas, but Spanish is a growing language. Spanish is the second most spoken language in the world after Mandarin, and so I just... I don't know like what's happening in that sentence. If this is just Rainbow Rowell's like American coming through, like white American coming through or what, but it's like, what, what exactly is it that you mean by a growing language? It it's grown. Like (laughs) this language is global. What are you? And that's just native speakers. That's not counting people who speak Spanish as a second language. So like, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know what that line is doing there. It bugged me a lot. You know, I read that line and I assumed that part of it is Penny not knowing much about the United States, where I'm pretty sure Spanish is the second language here. (laughs) Like the second most spoken language in the United States. Absolutely. Yeah. And just like not realizing that. Yeah. And part of it, you're right, could just be Rimbaud Raul sort of like whiteness showing through or trying to like show penny doesn't quite know what's going on 
you know, and maybe like failing at that a bit because of how it comes off. But yeah, uh, yeah, like I'm just kind of like, what? <laughs> yeah, it feels. I don't know why, but calling it a growing language feels weirdly condescending to me. Like, that feels like a condescending thing to say. Yeah. Or it could be more of that Watford pretension where it's like, they would not learn Spanish-speaking spells. Like, why would they? Yeah, I guess. Where it's like, I don't know, I would be like, uh, yeah, duh, he's an American mage and knows it can speak and can cast spells in Spanish, I imagine actually a lot of people would be able to, even with very little Spanish fluency. Right. All right. Yes, what do you have? I just want to say that I don't know why the gang is at a rental car place, because clearly Penny stole this Mustang. They do not rent classic cars at an airport rental car rental place. Hmm. They did walk there. True. And I was actually trying to figure that out because I'm like, do they think that they rented this car? Because they did not. Penny did not rent this car. Yeah, that interesting. They would have yeah. like, that's not what and like for folks that have not ever rented a car before, like, it's just a variety of cars from the past three years. Many of which are SUVs because for whatever fucking reason people love those. And in no way would it be a classic hot rod. If yeah. not for the liability alone, I think. Because it's not like those cars were built with airbags. True. True. That's super true. So, uh, yeah, I don't know where they're well, I don't know where they're at or where she got this car, but... It says, Penny hired us a car, but we've got to walk half a mile to get to it. Quote, unquote, hired. Yeah. We don't even see her, like, checking it out or anything. Nope. Is there even a key? Interesting. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> Great question. She fucking stole that shit. I mean, maybe she like bought it on Craigslist. Quote unquote. Well, with not real money, but yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Great point. Yeah. I'm sure you can rent classic cars for like a day somewhere, or oh, you know, yeah, as, I'm like, sure. A thing. Probably. Also, walking from the airport. I think I've been to Chicago airport. There is nothing around there. Um, my next thing is a question about, like, why it was entirely on Penny to visit Micah. Like, why couldn't, during this year of turmoil, why didn't he fucking fly to England? I don't That is a good fair. question. I mean, it seems that there would be a sign that he's, like, actually over this relationship. But, I don't know. The bar is in hell for cis dudes, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Because it'd be equally a pain in the ass to like go from England to Chicago and then be from Chicago to England. Totally. Yeah. All right. What do you have? Um, I, I feel like I'm, I feel like I've talked about this last episode, but I really just wish Agatha could have some joy and doing shrooms in the desert with her feathery bikini in like a very cheesy drum circle and not at this like terrible cult that's like making her sad. Mm-hmm. Me too. That's all. Yeah, I agree. Okay, this is going to be my last thing in this section. Uh, Again, with Baz and Simon sort of both feeling unable to intentionally physically interact with one another. So Baz is pretending to be asleep on Simon for like four hours. And Simon is 
not getting up to go to the bathroom because he doesn't want to stop Baz, quote unquote, sleeping on his shoulder and like wouldn't feel comfortable like or or assume that Baz would return to it if he were to get up and disturb him is, oh, my God, it's just. Yeah, I feel like it makes you want to just like close the book and just like bang it against your head because of just how just all of this extra work, you guys. Yep. Oh, it's infuriating and terrible. It truly is. It truly (laughs) is just so frustrating. Welcome to I'm Just a Poor Boy, where we talk about ways that you can support this podcast. This week, I'm going to remind you that you can help us by helping with our transcriptions. Um, Our dream is to have all of our episodes transcribed, but we currently can't afford to have that done professionally, and we are not able to do it. So what we do instead is offer you access to Patreon content in exchange for your help. Um, and you don't even have to start from scratch. Our amazing listener, Tammy, runs all of the episodes through an auto transcription program. So then you just have to listen along and fix the errors. You know, you do that and then you tell us what you want from our Patreon and we'll email it to you. It's really rad. So just go to hashtag ruthless.com and click on transcriptions and find out how. Uh, this is a perfect way of getting some of our Patreon exclusive stuff <laughs> Adderall's worrying off I'm like what are words uh if you are re-watching Buffy in this this time of crisis or interested in what's going on you can get uh We Are The Gayers episodes our Buffy rewatch podcast or some of our fanfic that me and Lark make up uh on the spot during recording and a variety of other awesome things we you, we could send to you for a little bit of your time and effort. Send shivers down my spine. Welcome to Send Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about sexy stuff. <laughs> Everybody's so horny for this car. Actually, I literally, <laughs> my second, my I only have two things. I have Baz driving this car, and then I have this car, TBH. <laughs> Uh (laughs) they're just all so stoked about it you know i'm like not i feel like something about classic cars just do look very cool and this one is is incredibly aesthetically pleasing so yeah it's a color the color is very cool it's a lot of like just like curved lines i don't know it looks it looks very cool it looks better than whatever crap is on the road right now which just looks like varying degrees of danger boxes which i guess is what all cars are now that i think now they said it out loud but true yeah i'm i'm with you so the other thing is bass driving the car yes he looks great i love how simon is into him like doing all of the things you have to do to like drive a stick (laughs) (laughs) it's just like you are so gone over him you think driving stick is sexy (laughs) i think he thinks competence is sexy that is fair. Uh, competence is sexy. Let's be real. So Yeah. I love the line, I'm glad we haven't broken up yet because then I never would have gotten to see this. You're just I like, know. this is so cute. Also, don't break up. 
You're just sad. <laughs> yep. You can work. You can be sad in a relationship. That's. Yep. I'm sure Baz will buy a fancy car for you to watch him drive. If he you would wait love long enough, he would love nothing more. <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Um. All right. And so then our last thing here is our kiss kill improvise. All right. This week your options are Josh's electric sports car. <laughs> A 1968 Ford Mustang <laughs> and a Ford Fiesta. All right. Um, I think given our previous conversation, I think you know how this is going to shake out, but definitely kissing the Ford Mustang. It is very shiny, very kissable. Um, killing this Tesla or Tesla knockoff because fuck Elon Musk. And um, improvising with the Ford Fiesta because it sounds like a great everyday car to just drive around in sounds great you just parallel park to your heart's content <laughs> parallel park in spot that an SUV could never <laughs> go to the thrift store get my groceries do some city driving all over the place <laughs> wonderful great answer <laughs> Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. Uh, I have to get this out of the way, out of the way, but uh, those tiny figure eights are in fact double infinity signs. The now next ones? Double infinity signs. It's like an infinity sign that's like overlapped another infinity sign. Okay. Essentially. Uh, We get a spell. A couple, but first spell that we get is Fire, Burn, and Cauldron, Bubble, which is from Macbeth, mm-hmm. and makes fire, even if you don't have a wand, if you're Agatha. Which is fucking cool. Yeah. It, and without speaking, it sounds like, too. She can do yeah, this Yeah, she, she said it, like, under her breath. So, yeah, she was, like, barely speaking it. Mm-hmm. So fucking cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Do you want to do the spells chronologically, or do you want to just keep going? Uh, No, whatever you have next. Um, and I know we talked about this, this happened, come up, come up in the first book, but Baz can feel the other people on the airplane who are wearing crucifixes, including someone who's wearing a silver crucifix, which is giving him an allergic reaction of his nose running, mm-hmm. which is just so wild. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I think that's really interesting vampire lore. I liked it a lot too. But also a little bit of a correction because didn't Simon wear a silver crucifix? It's gold. It's gold. Okay, never mind. All right. So yeah, yeah. I mean, silver. Silver is a the vampires being affected by silver is a thing that comes up in a variety of vampire lore. Yeah, I didn't know that, but I think it makes sense. Yeah, I think. I mean, again, like traditional versus untraditional vampire lore. Obviously, there's a ton of different vampire lore out there from different cultures, but I feel like. I feel the first time I came across that is the show True Blood, which has like uh, vampires being severely affected by silver touching them. What a wild show that was. Jesus Christ. Anyway, um, I think it's your turn. Yeah. So we get this wing disappearing spell. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings, followed by I put my thing down, flip it and reverse it. Which is it's brilliant where you're like you're casting a spell and then you're casting a spell to reverse the effects of this for the first spell yeah fucking brilliant also yes a missy elliott magical spell of course right iconic it is 
so it's so smart it's so good this is you know in a better harry potter series this is the kind of shit hermione would have been discovering instead of just like going with the status quo all of the time because she is in fact the brightest witch of her age and here's penny being the brightest witch of her age finding this badass fucking probably like baz says blanket reversal spell think of the applications of I put my thing down, flip it, and reverse it. Incredible. I know. Truly. But also, apparently you can give yourself wing- wings with uh, every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings, which is pretty cool. It's a question, right? Does it only work because Simon already has wings? I think in the... Hmm, that's a good point. Because I imagine if you were to cast every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings on someone who is heroic like simon you could probably sprout wings but since he already has wings and is like already like at the sort of like this magical hero whatever that i think that's why it works to get rid of them mm-hmm. so i don't know i think i think it could i think it could give you wings if you had good intentions or something i hope so um what else do you have so uh penny brings up that like wondering if maybe those two spells in conjunction because they work better here than when they were back in their flat in london and penny hypothesizes it's just because it's like it is the place of origin of both of these phrases is in the u.s um and i think that's probably true and just connected to that is probably just because not only do a lot like a, a lot of normal people would use this but it probably is already a spell in the u.s mm-hmm So I actually really dislike the the new addition of like spells only work in areas where that particular language is spoken. This isn't canonical to the first book where like Penny's mom can cast in Hindi because her grandmother spoke Hindi, even though Penny's mom doesn't speak it, where it's this sort of like inherited lineage that shouldn't be dependent on whether or not people in the area are speaking hindi though i'm sure a lot of people in the uk do speak hindi not i'm sure i know a lot of people in the uk do speak hindi but like i think that mad like magic should work regardless of where you are in the world because it exists as an ecosystem like i don't like the idea that someone who only speaks spanish could go to somewhere where spanish isn't spoken a lot and not be able to cast any spells that they know because they don't know the local language. Oh, you know, I guess I had actually, I guess I was sort of thinking that the reason that she said that they work better is because these are comparatively new sayings and that maybe if you, you know, like, if you speak Spanish and you're like, or like maybe if you like, don't speak Spanish, but that's in, like, in your cultural heritage, you could use, like, older Spanish sayings Mm -hmm. for, like, to make, to, like, have a spell. But if you're trying to use a, like, song lyric from a song that's, like, in in the past 10 years in Spanish as a spell, then maybe it would be more powerful in a place where more people are saying that anyway. Well, it's, like, this is a huge piece of the premise of this book. Baz can't do magic because he keeps trying to cast British idioms. And people don't say those things in the U.S. And so they don't have magic here. 
And then like the part where they go into like the dead spot because there aren't enough normals nearby talking full stop for there to be magic there. I just like I I don't like it. I don't like that this part of this plot. I don't need to like I don't feel like you need to agree with me about it. I just want to put it on the record. I don't no, think that's that this fair. is I don't think it makes sense from the canon of the first book. And also I don't like the world, like the the information it gives us about how magic works. Like I don't I just don't like it. I'm against it. Interesting. Yeah, that is that does have some really rough implications for the rest of the magical world yeah it also i don't know i mean i feel like just thinking about it right now if you speak a language that just very few people still speak like a lot of indigenous languages in north america and i'm sure south america also would you not be able to cast in those languages that should still hold an incredible amount of cultural power just because there aren't enough people saying those words around you or like in the world at all. Cause I do not want that to be true. But yeah. if we follow from this, this rule, I think that it, that it would be. Mm. Damn, you're right. Yeah. Huh. Well, I definitely want to discuss this more when it comes up, but yeah. Yeah. I also want to hear from listeners about how they feel about it. Yeah um anyway that was also that was my last thing do you have anything else here oh actually that's also my last thing cool sorry to leave on a heavy note everyone (laughs) tell us your thoughts about language i mean i mean there's a reason that colonialists try to stamp out people's native languages especially the indigenous and enslaved african peoples of the Mm -hmm. americas so yeah yeah um before we end i want to give a huge thank you to sam m who left us a very generous donation sam you're the best we really appreciate it thanks sam and yeah thank you for listening everyone to this episode of escape from reality part two gayward sun edition next time we're going to be reading chapters 10 through 13 this podcast and our other podcast, The Gaily Prophet, are both creations of Hashtag Ruthless Productions and are produced, mixed, and edited by me. You should uh, rate and review us on iTunes, if possible. Um, you should tell all your friends about this cool podcast. And uh, you should also share our stuff on your social medias. We are on Instagram and Twitter at The Gaily Prophet, and our website is hashtag rufus.com where you can leave us a donation go to our shop find our patreon or just uh, listen to our podcast not in a podcast app yep if you aren't on social media and you listen to your podcast somewhere where it doesn't show you the episode art in your feed you could go to our website to look at the goofy photoshops that i make for every episode that's there too um you can find me on the internet on instagram where i'm at lark malachi or on my website which is larkmalachi.com l-a-r-k-m-a-l-a-k-a-i and don't forget to keep an eye out on february 8th for my tarot deck um you can follow me on twitter at jesse underscore detroit or on instagram for the occasional kitten content at live from detroit the music and our theme song is by kevin mcleod and the rest of the music is bohemian rhapsody by queen and until next time scott and moosh, moosh.